Hi, this is Don Wilson, and if you're looking for Elvis, you're in the right place. TCB Radio Network. all you Elvis fans, this is Krista Joy, founder of TCBRadioNetwork.com. And I'm your co-host of TCB Radio Network and Elvis tribute artist, Peter Alden. Welcome to the TCB Radio Network podcast. Get ready for some Elvis content and news you can use, where it's all Elvis, all the time. Interviews with authors, Elvis fan club presidents, artists, musicians, and of course, close personal friends of Elvis Presley, people who knew him. Thank you for tuning in. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy. It's time for the TCB Radio Network Podcast. Hey everybody, before we start our show, we'd first like to thank all of our listeners for taking the time to tune in to our show. We appreciate you and we always welcome your feedback. As we reach the midpoint of season one of our show, we wanted to highlight some of our favorite moments so far from our interviews with Friends of Elvis, and more. Back on episode two of the podcast, we spoke with Mindy Miller. Mindy, of course, is a former girlfriend of Elvis. She's been a lead star and a featured star in several films on TV. You might have caught her on an episode of Knight Rider or Days of Our Lives. She was also in lots of commercials, and she even spent time as a Barker Beauty on Price is Right. Now, in our episode, she told a magical story about how Elvis stopped the rain, and the rain on our skylights here at the studio followed right along. You can check this out. So, in 1976, he bought me a car. And I accepted it. And it was in the middle of the night in, you know, in Vegas. And it was a really cool 455 four-speed first clutch white Trans Am. Because that was his favorite color and my favorite color. He loved blue as well. But he really loved the color white. That was his favorite. Most of Jeffs were white, too. What happened is that um, we were supposed to leave the next day and go to Palm Springs. So he said, I'm going to have one of the guys drive the car to Palm Springs. He goes, we're going to take Lisa Marie, and we're going to fly into Palm Springs. And I'm thinking, Elvis, my boyfriend. So I looked at him, and I, you know, I'm thinking not the plane. I'm not thinking it's an entourage. I'm not thinking like this. So I said, is there any chance we could drive the car to Palm Springs? I have no clue what I'm saying because here he is. They're loading up the plane. They're gassing up the plane. He's got the entourage ready to go. He's called the pilot, Milo High. He, he's, he cost a fortune, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm going, well, can't we just drive there? <laughs> not thinking of the entourage. Not thinking of anybody else. Just me and my boyfriend driving the car to pump straight. So, so I'm, I'm thinking this would be cool. We're driving, our, you know, my new car. So he looks down at me and he goes, uh, honey, let me think about that a minute. <laughs> and he stood there literally thinking. And I'm watching him, and he's thinking, and he's thinking, and I said, yeah. And he goes, uh, sure, we can drive a car. And I'm jumping up and down like, you know, I'm some stupid kid of 10 years old. And he, and he, and he goes, uh, I just got to fix a few things. And I said, okay, he goes, I'll be back. So I'm, I'm waiting, and he goes, and he tells Milo, hi, and the pilot, and everybody, okay, pack everything on the plane. I need you guys in the back backseat. Uh, Mindy, Mindy and I are driving the golf No. There you go. We're driving. We start driving in the car. Well, thank God, and I thank the Lord that we did not fly because there was a huge storm brewing. Okay. Now I am scared to death to fly. So 
Albus and I and um, Dave uh, Stanley, and I forget who was in the backseat. I don't remember if it was Dave Ebler or Al Strada. I don't remember one of the other guys, but it was definitely David Stanley. Um, we start driving to Palm Springs. Now it's a good long and a half, five-hour drive, and Elvis is loving the drive because there's no phone, nobody can get a hold of him, nobody can bother him. He loves the wide-open spaces. And remember, Elvis loved to drive. He loved his toys. He loved driving around through the desert. It's very peaceful. It's, you know, very prairie-like. All of that, all the stuff that he and I both like. So as we're beginning to leave, it's black in the sky. I mean, absolutely black. And I said, I said, honey, I said, you got to turn on the windshield blinkers. He goes, oh, no, 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 we all need, no, I don't need to turn on the windshield blinkers. It's not going to rain on this car. It's going to rain. Of course it's, I mean, what an ego. Of course it's going to rain on this car. It's raining everywhere. So it's raining in front of us, to the left, to the right, to the back. Now, David Stanley swears up and down that there was a sunroof for a moonroof. I don't remember. And what happened is, Elvis says, and, and he totally believed that he could do move clouds. He was very healing. He could put his hands on your stomach and heal you when you didn't feel well. He could put, you know, he did what is called the laying of the hair. And he could do it. And so he takes his right arm, he's driving with his left, and he flails his right arm up and above, you know, uh, the car. And he goes, watch this. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, here we go. And now the guy's just back to going, uh-huh. And all of a sudden, the cloud on my mother's grave dispersed. Literally dispersed. It's as, if, it's as if Moses parts the Red Sea. Seriously. The clouds disperse to the way in the front of us, to the sides of us, and the back of us. It is raining cats and dogs all around the car. It never put a drop of rain on the car to this day. <laughs> now, I did not know that David Stanley wrote that story in his book. I was thrilled to death. I thought, well, thank God for Dave. And I remember calling Dave and going, thank God you told the story so, some, so these people don't think I'm just off my walkers. All right, and if you'd like to hear the entire interview with Mindy Miller, uh, you can find that on our podcast archives. It is episode two. Elvis's personal nurse and close friend Marion Cock spoke with us for episode one of the TCB Radio Network podcast. Marion wrote her story in a great book that you can order directly from her titled I Called Him Babe. She is a longtime friend of Peter Alden, so we were excited to have her for that as well. And she also had a number of stories. We asked her what one of her favorite stories was. And so she shared this uh, little tidbit about a, a last-minute trip that uh, Elvis kind of uh, coerced her into taking. So let's enjoy this story, one of Marion's favorites. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that was a hoot. Um, got home from church one day, one Sunday, and about 3 o'clock that afternoon... Uh, telephone rang and it was Elvis and he said I want to go to uh, fly out to see the Lisa Marie can you get out here early and I said well yeah I can I can come on out now of course he talked sort of loud and Katie was was right there by me and she said oh mother can I go and he heard her he said yeah bring Katie she can go too so Bob took us out there went on upstairs to Lisa's room and 
he came in in a few minutes and, and said, uh, we're going to, to uh, Dallas to see uh, the plane that they're getting ready to refurbish it. We're going to go out and take a look at it. So I said, okay, that'd be fun. So we went on, got out to the airport and went up in a, in a plane. It was a small jet. So we flew to Dallas to some little airport between Dallas and Fort Worth. There was a crowd of people there. They, they had let them know, I guess the people that worked there had let all their relatives know that Elvis was coming. And they had the fence there and they were, they were fenced off. But they wanted pictures and autographs and he very graciously went over and signed some autographs and had some pictures made and everything. And so we went on in and looked at the plane and, um, and when we were ready to leave, well, actually, when we went in the plane, the only room that was complete was the conference room where the table and chairs were, the long table and chairs. And so when we left the plane, I went into the little office to call Bob and say, we're getting ready to leave here, coming back to Memphis, and you can pick Katie up at Graceland in about probably about an hour and a half because I needed my car to get to work the next day. And Elvis came in just as I hung up, and he said, Miss Cock, um, we're not going right home. We're going to Vegas. And I said, Elvis, I have to go to work tomorrow morning. I'll get you back. So he said, call your husband back. So I called Bob back, and I said, just come for Katie when I call you and tell you we're going to Vegas. So we got back in the plane and headed for Vegas. And I remember so clearly as we flew over the Grand Canyon, he said, Katie, come here and look, honey. And he looked and he said, man, how great thou art, how great thou art. And we flew on into Vegas and we were met there by uh, Dr. Gano, I think his name was. And he drove us to his home and we were there for about an hour. And in the meantime, Katie and I had not had anything to eat since we had gotten out of church. And it was like nine o'clock at night. And so we were headed back to the airport Elvis said, well, they should have the plane gassed up by now. And I said, well, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to have to gas Katie and me up or we're not going to make it back to Memphis because we're hungry. And he said, oh, there'll be some food on the plane. And I said, well, where are the guys? He said, they're out there on the plane. So we got back to the airport. And sure enough, the guys were on the plane. And we got in and we went on toward the back. And there on the table was a huge tray that was piled high with sandwiches, diced up fruit and cookies. And on the other table was just a tray full of fresh fruit. We sat down and the four of us, there was not even a scrap of lettuce left on that tray. Between Elvis and Linda and Katie and me, there was not one scrap of food left on that tray. And so we were sitting there talking and pilots were in place. Elvis said, have you ever been to Palm Springs? And I said, no, I've never been to Palm Springs. He said, well, I think we'll go. I want to show you my house. I said, Elvis. I have to go to work in the morning, honey. He said, I'm going to get you back. I'm going to get you back. He got on the little thing there and he called the pilot. He said, let's go to Palm Springs. So he said, we're almost going to have to go over my house just to turn this darn plane around. So we're going to go. I want you to see my home up in the hills. So we turned and we went to Palm Springs. And we got off the plane and Dick Grove was with us that night. And Dick got off the plane and went in and talked to somebody and borrowed a station wagon. Elvis and Linda and Katie and me and all those guys piled up in that one station wagon and headed up 
moved into Chino Canyon and went in the house. You know, you've heard the story that Elvis would shoot out television sets once in a while or mm -hmm. this, that, and the other. So we went in and and uh, into the foyer and he said, come on, I'm going to show you the house. So we turned to the right and started down the hall. In the first bedroom we went to, <laughs> there was a television set with a bullet hole. <laughs> So he went ahead and showed us the rest of that wing with the bedrooms and the bathrooms and everything. And then we turned and went back through the living room and the dining room and into the kitchen. And, and then off the kitchen, there was a, had been a big room built. Uh, it was quite a large room. Oh gosh, it looked like it might have been by about 40 by 40 foot, probably about 40 foot square and maybe 50 foot square and the, it had black and white tile on the floor. And then the funny thing about it, to get to the master bedroom, you had to go out the door and the master bedroom was completely cut off from the rest of the house. You had to go outside to get to it. And the, the, so we went and he showed us the master bedroom and everything in there. And then we went on back and, and we went in the living room and he played the piano for a while. And all the time I'm saying, Elvis, I gotta go to work in the morning. I gotta go to work in the morning. I'm gonna get you back. I'm gonna get you back. Finally, we stayed up there about an hour and a half and we left and headed back to Memphis. We got back to Memphis at 5.30 the next morning. And once again, if you want to hear the entire interview we did with Marion Cock, uh, that is episode one of TCB Radio Network. And once again, we invite you to check out the entire interview. We'll be right back after this announcement from Cruising with the King. Are you ready to celebrate Elvis and cast your cares away with us on Royal Caribbean's Enchantment of the Seas? Non-stop activities, VIP gift bags, daily exclusive private performances by the co-host of TCB Radio Network, Peter Alden, and other big name artists. This is Krista Joy, founder of TCB Radio Network, and I'll be on board too. Join us for Cruising with the King aboard Royal Caribbean's Enchantment of the Seas, sailing April 1st through 5th, 2019. You'll meet Elvis's co-star from Kissin' Cousins, Cynthia Pepper, his personal nurse and good friend Marion Cock, plus many talented performers celebrating the king of rock and roll. Karaoke, Elvis Bingo with up to $500 in prizes, Elvis on a Shelf, Door Decorating Contest, Question and Answer Session with Elvis's nurse Marion Cock, special group t-shirts, up close and personal interactions with the performers, and many opportunities for impromptu selfies are all included. Be sure to use code PA1 for a special gift. Details, video, and more can be found at tcbradionetwork.com. Just type CRUISE in the search bar. Join us April 1st through 5th, 2019 on Royal Caribbean for Cruising with the King. Be sure to use booking code PA1. In episode three of the TCB Radio Network podcast, we spoke with one of Elvis's dearest friends, Larry Geller. Now, Larry was also sort of a spiritual mentor to Elvis, and they were very close for a long time. He's been interviewed on numerous shows 
by people like Larry King, Regis Philbin, and Entertainment Tonight. He was on the E! Channel, CNN, BBC, and international radio and television networks. You can imagine how thrilled we were to have him on TCB Radio Network Podcast, and we hope to have him on again soon. Now, this story we picked because it's kind of integral into the relationship that Elvis and Larry had. It was kind of the first time that Larry really understood where Elvis was coming from and how deep of a person he really was. So we hope you enjoy this story from Larry. Because that conversation set the tone and became the bond, the glue of our relationship until this very conversation I'm having with you today. Um, he said to me, he said, Larry, my mother was spiritual. My mom was so spiritual, that's where I get it. I get it from her. I remember as a kid, man, I used to get these asthma attacks and she could lay her hands on me and give me healings and pray to me and talk to me. We got into a conversation that blew my mind. Because Elvis started to cry. He told me about his twin brother, Jesse Gallon. He said, man, you have no idea where I came from, Larry. He said, I came from poverty that people can't even imagine today. Most people take their lives for granted. He said, I don't. Every day I wake up, I'm so grateful for my life. He said, you know what? We didn't have electricity in our house. We didn't have light bulbs. You know, you walk into a room, you flip the switch. We didn't have that. He said, we didn't even have faucets with running water. You want some water? You take the bucket, you go to the well outside. Mm-hmm. We didn't. He said, my daddy built the house with his own hands. A wooden, two-room wood, wooden shack. You want to go to the bathroom? We didn't have a bathroom. You go outside to the outhouse. <laughs> and we were poor. And that's branded on my soul. And my mom used to tell me when I first came on the scene as an entertainer, and she said, Elvis, don't you ever forget. Don't forget where you came from. He said, Larry, I'll never forget. He said, I was born at home. My brother, my twin brother, Jesse Garrett, he didn't make it. He was stillborn. Why me, Larry? Why me? Why not Jesse? Why wasn't he born? I have so many questions, just like you do. I want to read some of those books you got. He said, why me? What would have happened if, if he would have been born and the both of us grew up? Would it be the Presley brothers? <laughs> he said, Larry, he said, believe me. I know where you're coming from. And I said, look, Elvis, I looked at my watch. A couple of hours went by, and I said, Elvis, i got to get back to the salon. I know Peter Sellers. He said, Peter Sellers, he's my favorite performer. <laughs> Elvis knew. Oh, by the way, it's more you know, I shouldn't say by the way, because most of Elvis fans know that Elvis had almost like a photographic type memory. He knew every line from all the Peter Sellers movies. When Elvis, when Elvis uh, read a script, he would only have to read it maybe twice, three times. He knew all of his lines. And a lot of his co-stars 
they, they did them all the same, and they would remember that was under his breath, given the line. They know their lines, right? Uh, it is amazing. And so I said, Elsa, i got to get back to the salon. So he says to me, <laughs> he said, Larry, I got a great idea, man. A better idea. Go back to the salon. And when you get back there, tell them that you quit because you could be working for me, Elvis Presley, full-time. What do you think? Well, I didn't have to think. And once again, Larry was episode three. So if you want to hear the entire uh, interview, which was absolutely fascinating, uh, join us for episode three of TCB Radio Network. Dixie Locke is our guest on episode eight. She was a close girlfriend of Elvis's from early 1953 until October 1955. You may have seen her on several shows about Elvis on national television. We were excited to talk with her about her stories of Elvis, and she had some really unique insight on Gladys Presley, Elvis's mom. Yeah, Dixie was one of the few people that really got a chance to know Gladys. And uh, we like this story because it's a funny little commentary about uh, the one time that Dixie and Gladys went shopping for Elvis and got him a present that they really thought he would enjoy. Well, I was fortunate in that respect because, um, like I said, she um, she and uh, Mr. Presley both just took, you know, they uh, I'm sure that they saw... Um, our, our feelings for each other, you know, was uh, real uh, to us, and uh, so we just, they accepted me right in, just like my parents did him, so we spent a lot of time together, ate meals together, went to church together, um, went shopping together, you know, just, we, we had just a, a real sweet uh, relationship. One day, one day in particular, this was after his uh, Elvis's record had already been released and he was getting a little notoriety at that time, and um, uh, his mother and I went shopping to buy him a new sport coat and uh, went to one of the, um, you know, kind of uh, popular men's clothing stores at that time in Memphis, and uh, we picked out a sport coat. We thought it was pretty nice, but um, we were both uh, disappointed when he saw it because he didn't care for it at all, and uh, <laughs> he let us know that pretty quick. <laughs> so uh, it was kind of uh, it was kind of plain, I think. You know, it was not, and he was he was not into the plain stuff. So uh, of course, I was. You know, I was tagging along with his mother, so I didn't put too much input into it myself. But she picked out what she thought was pretty and that he would like. So that was a, that was one of our shopping trips that we learned from that. Maybe we better stick with something a little more flashy than looking for something that we thought would look nice on him. <laughs> We did take it back. We did take it back. We had sense enough to keep receipts, so we we did take it back. And, and in fact, went back with us and picked out something else for himself. So, oh, okay. Uh, so so there was no surprise element there, but uh, <laughs> he kind of already knew that was before he had, uh, about the time he was discovering Lansky. So uh, from then on, just about everything he, you know, was interested in, and we learned that too, if you wanted anything for clothing, you had to go to Lansky's because they had everything that he, his style there. (laughs) (laughs) And once again, Dixie Locke's interview was fascinating as well. And we invite you to tune in and listen to that one. It's episode eight on TCB Radio Network.
On episode four, we invited Kay Wheeler to come on the show. Now, Kay was Elvis's first fan club president during the frenzied height of the King's early brushes with success, fame, and fortune in 1956 and 57. She's a Rockabilly Hall of Fame inductee as well. They call her the queen of the rock and bop. But she also got to spend some quality time with the mother of the king of rock and roll, Mrs. Gladys Presley. This was an interesting story. She was there for a magazine interview. Elvis was on tour, and so she got to spend about six hours with Gladys and got the chance to talk with her about many things. Here's a little tidbit of one of the things that she and Gladys talked about. Long story short, it was uh, it, she knew I was coming, but it was just spontaneous. It was the, and so I just you know knocked on the door at Audubon, and she opened the door, and she was like the nicest, just like family. I mean, she treated me just like she was my auntie or, you know, of course, the South Southern people are awfully sweet like that. That's just the way they're personable, generally. And she was just real uh, open and invited me in and, you know, just, you know, was great, gracious and, you know, thanking me for all I'd done for Elvis and all that. She took me to go house uh, with a private personal tour. And uh, we talked, and she wanted to fix me lunch and everything <laughs> like that. And so, you know, it was just a, a remarkable thing. She let me go through the, everything in his closet and uh, so and his cars and motorcycles and everything. And so we got some photos. It was just an overall pretty thing. But she, the last thing she mentioned to me was, you know, I, she said, she first she said, you know, you know, you really remind me of myself when I was young. Wow. And she even mentioned something about wanting to be a dancer. I vaguely it comes back to me. I said, oh, really? I, I dance some, you know. And uh, she said, uh, do you really think Elvis does drugs? This was in 1956. It's in November. Hmm. Okay. And this was way back then. She was already concerned. And she said, some of these magazines and things, they write and say that Elvis does drugs and things like that. And she looked at me really intense. She said, like I was going to know something. Hmm. She says, he doesn't really do drugs. Elvis doesn't do drugs. And I said, you know, we can't pay attention to what people people write. Right. But I think that was, she was concerned right out of, as we say in Texas, to get over there. Wow. Uh, hmm. I could see the concern on her face. <clears throat> but she, you know, um, Verna was there. He was obsessed with a swimming pool. He was, uh, you know... <laughs> Uh, that's a crack in the swimming pool because they had filled it up with water uh, too soon before the cement got really cured, as they say, and they caused the crack. And he was there with all the workmen, and they were all, you know, I just met him in passing, Helen, Mrs. Cressley, but, you know, he he wasn't in the house. And she, you know, she didn't seem a real happy person. Mm-hmm. The word for her is unhappy. That would be what I would get. I, but, you know, people talk about, I didn't see any evidence of any kind of drinking or smell anything. And, you know, my dad was a big drinker, and I'm big on knowing how alcohol. And there wasn't, any, you know, a lot of people say things like, I've heard different rumors and stuff like that. But from my what my experience was and that those hours that I spent with him, uh, I didn't smell anything or even hint of anything or see a bottle of anything anywhere in the house. So mm. for whatever that's worth. And she was just great. She just, you know, said, the gold uh, records were sitting there in a big stack, and I just started picking them up. And, of course, I can talk forever, so as you catch it on here. 
but you know, she and I, we just got in conversation after conversation after conversation. You know, we talked about the oil painting, who it looked like, who, what she thought of it, so forth and so on. What I thought of Elvis, you know, the dog. She she had a little sweet pea with her. Mm-hmm. We were just like. Uh, you know, it was just like I was visiting my auntie, mm-hmm. you know, and we were just sitting, just, it was a feeling of family. Mm-hmm. I can say that, a real true warm feeling of family, and I'll never forget that. And I'm so glad that Elvis was on tour, because otherwise I'd have never got that mm-hmm. opportunity with her. And once again, episode four of TCB Radio Network is Kay Wheeler, if you'd like to hear the entire interview. Remember, you can check out all of these episodes and hear the full interviews in our podcast archives. Links to everything can be found on our website, tcbradionetwork.com. Tune in each Wednesday for our next podcast because you just never know who we will talk with next. We are enjoying learning so much about Elvis as an entertainer, but most importantly as a man from his friends and people that knew him so well. And of course, you can't celebrate Elvis today without remembering the times of yesterday. So don't forget, we're meeting you every Tuesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on TCB Radio Network for Facebook Live. Catch us at facebook.com slash tcbradio. TCB Radio Network podcast, where we are celebrating the life and memory of Elvis Presley with a mission to share his legacy with the world. We'd also like to thank Lee Douglas of Old Time Rock and Roll, always found at www.oldtimernr.com, for converting our show to iTunes. We appreciate you, Lee. Be sure to check out Lee's fantastic site and listen to his weekly shows, all oldies music with no commercials. TCB Radio Network is strictly a fan publication not affiliated in any way with Elvis Presley Enterprises or any of its affiliates or subsidiaries. Please visit us online at tcbradionetwork.com. All trademarks, product names, company names, and logos mentioned are the properties of their respective owners. All opinions stated within do not necessarily reflect the opinions of anyone else and certainly not Elvis Presley Enterprises. Still the King, our theme song for TCB Radio Network podcast, was written by Shane Douglas, produced by Terry Fullwider at Blue Spot Studios, and performed by Peter Alden and his band, Crown Electric Company, featuring David Fontana, son of Elvis Presley's original drummer, DJ Fontana, on drums. Elvis Presley is still the king. Well, he's still the king. He's got so many show good singing. He's got so many still the king.